Hola amigos and welcome to the Add to Houston Admigos podcast, a podcast for young professionals in the marketing and advertising industry who are learning to navigate their early careers. I am Guido Falconi, Add to Houston Presidente, joined today by my co-host. Hey y'all, I'm Rose Garza, the co-EDI chair and the past president of Add to Houston. And as always, our producer, Jacob Danton. Hello. Who is in the studio with us. Today in the show, we are joined by Erica Long. Erica is a former Add to Dallas president. Yeah. Uh, she was also one of 2019's Add to Dallas 32 under 32. Yep. Uh, and she's a pretty cool guy, pretty cool girl, <laughs> you know? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, she's also the District 10 Add to representative. Yes. Jesus, you do so much in this. So uh, many chair positions. If you want to keep going down the list, you can. <laughs> yeah, I, was saying, I don't have enough time to go over all of this. Uh, but uh, seriously, thank you so much for joining us today, Erica. Uh, taking some time out of your day on a Sunday of all days. Uh, I assume you're not very much of a uh, football fan. I'm a decent football fan, not a super big sports fan. But <laughs> for the most part, football is like fifth on the list of sports that I really, really enjoy watching. <laughs> I mean, go Texans, but yes. Um, Ooh, go Cowboys, sorry. I'm sorry, we're going to have to right, watch podcast. you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, this is what happens when you go to college in Dallas and you're a tour guide at the stadium. They okay. brainwash you out there. Oh I my swear. gosh, yeah. You've been conditioned. <laughs> so, Erica, um, you know, please uh, give us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved with that too and AAF and, uh, you know, why and... You know what you uh, what you're planning to do with it? Yeah, so I got involved back when I was in college, probably my sophomore year, um, when I decided what major I wanted to be. Um, I actually double majored in college, advertising and PR. Um, oh, PR cool. was my first path, though. I went to a career fair a day before I actually was in college, and someone was like, "Oh my God, you're a great speaker." Have you ever thought about being in PR? And I was like, no, what is that? <laughs> um, I was actually pre-law intended and going to do um, like a history track um, and talk to them about that. And they're like, oh, you know, you can still go to law school, even if you do like any other major oh, yeah. that's not related to history. And I was like, shut up. Because really? <laughs> um, at first, too, I was like, oh, what's your fallback job going to be? Like, if you're not a lawyer, you're going to have to be like a history teacher. And in my head, I was like, are you a good teacher? Are you good with kids? Like, is this the best path for you? Um, and so I decided, okay, yeah, let's jump on the PR track. And during my PR time, you have to take crossover advertising classes. Um, so I did some advertising one-on-one -on -one and jumped in. Uh, and that's when I got introduced to organizations like PRSA. Um, we have AF at UT Arlington, so AF at UTA. Um, and I met Allison, who was our executive director for Add to Dallas. She also started Add to Dallas. Um, oh, wow. And so I knew her in college, and that kind of bridged my gap from my college position, which I was the vice president of AAF at UTA for my last semester. And then when I graduated, I jumped immediately into Add to Dallas. Oh, which wow. Which kind of fun. All right. So you're on the board of the AAF Mosaic Next Gen Leadership Council. You serve Add to National on a district level for AAF District 10. You recently committed to serving on the board for Add to Houston as a treasurer. <laughs> Woo! I did. You have a day job at Bellow & Company as an account manager. And on top of all of that, you're planning a, we or a wedding. Erica, we all need to know, how do you find time in your day to do everything? Uh, everybody is on their own schedule. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say it's a lot. It, I am fortunate enough that a lot of things are few, far, and in between. Um, 
So what I have to do with next gen can be spaced out evenly as I need it to be. What I need to do for uh, T. Houston with treasurer position, right? I can come into meetings. I'm not having to spend multiple, multiple hours on things. So uh, thank you all for letting me pick the position that didn't have me overly involved. No problem. Um, but then oh, no. from a from a district position, that is probably my most time-consuming yeah. position. I, I do, what, seven meetings a month for that position alone because I meet with oh. every single president plus an exec meeting and a regular call. Um, I go to all of the Add to National calls as well just because I like to stay informed. I want to know what the presidents know because I feel like I can't help you if I'm not fully yep. understanding what you have on your plate. Um, and so I feel like that's probably the most time consuming. Then outside of that, I also sit on our DEI council at my job. <laughs> so, so, so I feel like I'm like mixed in a little bit, but it's all relevant. Like it all relates to one another. So I never feel like I'm doing double the work. Like what I'm doing at my job for DEI is very similar to how I need to connect students, um, from a DEI perspective into the advertising industry for what I do with NextGen and helping them kind of come up with the ideas of mm-hmm. how can we connect students to know that there's even a whole mosaic council that's really geared yeah. towards people that are underrepresented in the ad agency world. And so I feel like a lot of that also goes back to what I do for my job. Half the time, they I am the one that they ask about recruiting. They'll ask me all the time, so what, how can we go recruit? Where do, who do we need to talk to? Where do we need to go? And I'm like, oh, well, have you guys tried Ad2 Dallas? Have you guys tried... Um, 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 AMA, have you tried like just different organizations that I know aim to foster relationships from students into their professional career? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I try to tie the things that I can tie together and it makes it way less of a workload because I don't feel like I have two different mosaic things going on or two different yeah. AF add two things. I'm in the loop on everything. So I feel like it's so much easier for me to just say like, cool, what can I help you do? What can I help you do? How can I pull this string? Um, but Wedding planning, uh, <laughs> whew, I think, I believe I'm like 77 days out of a look. Oh, I'm 76 wow. days, 17 hours and 11 minutes away from my wedding. What is that? That is November? 13 December seconds. December 5th. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two days after my birthday. Yeah, we had a December wedding. Yeah. Such the Early best December. month. Congratulations. It, it had to be. Yeah, it had to be. Such the best month. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll add applause in it, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Wedding planning is probably the craziest part, but- Fortunately, it's been pretty easy to make some like decisions. I'm also very minimalistic, so I feel like oh, okay. I wasn't the girl that grew up thinking about her wedding being like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have forty thousand flowers and nine. I like I walked yeah. in and I was like, don't know what I want, don't know what I like. I've planned everybody else's wedding. I've talked to all my other friends about their weddings, but hadn't really thought of mine. Um, and so I feel like I've been pretty chill on everything of like. Not bridezilla mode. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> um, all my bridesmaids' dresses are like under eighty dollars. Like I'm like, oh, please okay. don't. Oh, wow. I am very much that bride. Really so cute, I yeah. feel like that also is helping because I'm I'm purposely not stressing myself out. And my fiance, yeah. he says one one sentence every time. He's like, babe, we got time. And I'm like, sir, we have seventy six days. <laughs> no where die. is the time? <laughs> where where are you getting this time from? Um, but throughout yeah, the whole process, like he'd be like, yeah. babe, we have time. We we have time. I'm like, I love you so much. Thank you for marrying me, but I'm about to push you off a bridge because what are you talking about? We have time. We don't have time. That sounds fair. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness, that sounds. Nice. I guess no, uh, no doves flying. Yeah, no doves flying. I don't even know if I want sparklers. I'm gonna wear my hair curly, and that sounds like an easy way to catch my hair on fire. Don't know how I feel about that. You know, they so. they do bubbles and stuff. Yeah, 
got bubbles on your makeup. Have you seen that? Anyway. Right, I don't I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Exit. Anything uh, about options. this conversation. <laughs> I, I literally don't know. I thought about confetti and then I thought like how long does it take to get confetti out of your hair? Have you ever gotten like a oh, uh, don't, egg? Don't do it. Don't the, do the it. Egg, confetti oh eggs God. cracked in? Oh, that sounds like egg curly hair? Yeah. <laughs> There's no way you get that. Right. So... <laughs> You know, you're talking about all these different things that you are juggling at this moment, right? Uh, yep. With the Mosaic Awards and uh, with the district and now with us. Um, almost sounds like you're an account manager. Um, <laughs> so in my job, in my personal job, you know, I do a lot of event planning uh, and I have helped someone before plan their wedding. Uh, and that was the most stressful thing I've ever done. <laughs> so have you picked up any... Have you picked up any skills during your time, you know, at in the industry that have helped you kind of uh, plan this wedding and make sure that everything's going smoothly? I think there's a mixture of what I've picked up from the industry, but also in college, I was in charge of our largest event planning organization on campus. Um, and I also did our, well, I think it's a pretty common thing in Texas, big event. So it's like the volunteer event that you have on campus. Oh, yeah. So the largest day of volunteering, if you went to A&M, not that I'm a fan, just because I went to UT Arlington, so we're in the UT <laughs> district. Um, but if you did go to A&M, you would know about the big event because they started it. Um, but I have a lot of event planning background. Yeah. And when I say high stress, I mean, random story, not to throw on tangent, but there was a point in time where I wanted to show American Sniper on campus. I already had it approved. Wow. This is the same time that Israel and Palestine were going through their whole scenario where people were basically like criticizing them and putting them into general buckets of like terrorists etc like and every week. i literally had some people from the palestinian uh, organization on campus come into my office and basically tell me i need to stop showing like yelling at yeah. me plain clothes it got to the point where i had plain clothes officers following me to all of my classes oh wow i still showed the movie but we did like an educational session in the beginning of it just to say like hey, we're not trying to promote any type of phobias against Islamic people, Palestinian people, Israel, right? But just having a very good conversation. I partnered with the people that were super upset in the beginning to find the professors that they felt were the best representation of their voice. Um, so we had like somebody from the School of Social Work come sure. who was really ingrained in this topic and helped out. Um, but I feel like those high stress scenarios that I went under in college like prepared me for a ridiculous amount of stress in the real world. So I feel like I I do get stressed. I just feel like I hide it very well because I've been doing this for a really long time. And then, yeah. like I said, my position, I mean, senior account manager, you get clients. I've had all sorts of clients, y'all. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Good, bad, in the middle. I've had clients yell at me for multiple weeks on end on every single call. Mm -hmm. Like, literally flat out to my face, be like, are you sure you can handle this account? And oh I'm like, pretty, pretty sure if you yeah. if you want to just everybody stop real fast, we can listen to each other versus, you know, yelling. Right. But I've had that experience to where I feel like now for wedding planning, two things that I keep in mind. One, I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. And I think that comes from the fact that I've been in uncomfortable situations. So I'm like, oh, bridesmaids, I don't want you to spend $300 on your dress because that's ridiculous. Yeah. But financially, I don't want you to feel obligated. I just don't want that to happen. So I feel like it tied my role with my life and pairing pretty well for me to just like handle that workload and stress. But I will say as an account manager, there's a lot of similarities to wedding planning <laughs> of like making sure clients reach deadline. I have my own deadlines for my wedding because if I don't book it by this time, right, I'm, I'm probably not going to get it or I'm going to have to pay more to get yeah. somebody to be 
the DJ, be the photographer, yeah. whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like there's a lot of parallels that connect from that to actual wedding planning. Alrighty, so we're gonna switch the topic a bit to your profession. You work at Below and Company, which is a marketing agency full of divergent thinkers who help brands develop deepen connections, expand influence, and scale success. Can you show a bit more about the company and your role as a senior account manager? Yeah, so Bill and Company, I think I kind of said this earlier a little bit, but we're tied to the Dallas Morning News under the same corporation, um, which I think is a really cool partnership. It allows me kind of the insight of like print industry, traditional media, yeah. uh, mixed with my digital ad agency, which I think is really awesome. Um, and to our like kind of tagline and description, I do feel like we hire people that are very strategic. We think very high level, but we get into the nitty gritty details that help you reach your success, which I really enjoy. Um, so I work alongside a lot of really smart people and I feel like that's awesome. Like that's the fun part of my job is being able to sit there and either agree or completely argue with somebody, <laughs> right? Uh, points where I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. And they're like, no, Erica, it does. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> this is why. Or for both of us to be like, yes, no, I was thinking the exact same thing because we're just constantly running our brains on how do we help our our, our clients. Um, in terms of senior account manager, I have like somewhat of a promotion. I actually have somebody that works underneath me. So I'm like a manager manager oh, nice. as well. Cool. I feel like the title doesn't describe that as much. Like typically yeah. in our world of account management, your title has to be account director or something yeah. or account supervisor for people to really understand that you manage someone. Yeah. Um, so my role encompasses, I only have one person on my team. I have a very small team, but we uh, work one. on our enterprise clients, which are our lar oh. larger multi-scale clients. Um, and so, for example, one of my clients is Carter's. Love them to death, but it's a lot. Of, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, if I could shamelessly plug in the adorable clothes and their fashion, <laughs> I would. Uh, um, but I have two nephews, too, that I'm like, oh, my God, they look so cute in these Oshkosh boots. That would be oh, yeah. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, like, seeing the product as I'm working on it, too. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is such, like, a great connection. Um, but I, I feel like being in this role, I've I get to be strategic. I get to be different. I get to talk to my clients and work with my clients and be an extension of my client's team, which is what I care about the most. I I care more about their success. I don't care if if our company's like, hey, we should sell them into this $10,000 program. I'm like, is it going to help them? Like, let's, and I feel like that's what our company is taking a step back and doing is like, we're not just going to sell you something so that you spend money with us, but we're going to sell you something so that it's profitable to your business yeah. or it enhances what you're trying to do. Um, and I feel like there there needs to be more companies out there that care about it that much versus yeah. being like, oh, yeah, 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 this this programmatic buy is definitely going to help you. And I'm like, in what world <laughs> is someone going to look up whatever the cl client's topic is on programmatic? Like, no one's going to see that. No one's going to care. But our company, I feel like we we thoughtfully go through and we, like, literally tell you, like, hey, I don't think that's the best decision. And if you did want to do that, we don't feel right doing it. Um, but we have a partner company or we have this company and I think that part's really awesome too. Oh, that's really great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I'm glad that they, uh, that's a good company to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I like people to tell me when I'm wrong. <laughs> great people. Uh, yeah. I'm going to step back a little bit. So you are an account manager, right? So many people, uh, who are just starting out, um, or even some people who have been in the, in the industry for a while, they don't really know the difference between an account manager and a project manager. Right. I'm a project manager, or I have been a project manager for yeah. many years. I'm kind of just, you know, I've, I've jumped into more of a brand management slash account management. 
And I see the differences in it, right? So can you expand a little bit on that? Because I think that would be very beneficial for people to understand. I do think that there are overlaps. So most sure. people who think that they are the same, I, I can <laughs> see that perspective. Um, in my opinion, and again, not to say one's better than the other, um, but in um, my opinion, I do think. One is. I think two things. One, account managers, in my opinion, tend to be more strategic in their approach. Um, because you're client facing as an account manager, you are constantly in the client face. You have to be quick on your feet. You have to be able to think about a new strategy or at least get an idea flowing for you to then say, Hey, I can take this back to our internal team and we can flush it out. Right. Mm -hmm. I appreciate when account managers say that versus being like, Oh yeah, we can for sure deliver 97 page creative, whatever in four days. <laughs> and like, I have no idea what the creative team is going to say about that deadline. Cause half the time that's wrong, but at least being able to say, Hey, we can put this together for you. I can work with the team. I don't know how quickly we can get it, but I can tell you how much we can get in this short time frame, right? Like really working together. Whereas I feel like the project manager is really the power horse for internal processes and getting things done, like literally getting it. No excuses. I don't care if you were sick for two days, you needed to reprioritize or the team needed to shift the work. Um, I, I, I've seen and I've been at companies where if you have a really good account manager and a really good project manager, that client is always so happy because oh, yeah. internally we're getting stuff done. We're getting it knocked out. We're getting through the hurdles. There's back and forth communication between the project manager and the account manager. So the account manager can go back to the client and say, hey, ran into a little snag or six people on our team decided to quit or four people are on PTO and there's only two people and there's major deadlines, right? Like it helps to know that. And the project manager is really that eyes and ears position that I've seen that gives you that breakdown versus account management. In my opinion, account manager position is hard because when stuff goes wrong internally, no one internally gets yelled at other oh, yeah. than internal people. When you're an account manager, you can get yelled at internally and by the client. Yeah. And that is a really <laughs> hard, like, in between to be in because not only is your, like, company making you feel kind of bad about yourself, right? Because you didn't communicate effectively or you didn't yeah. do something. But then your client also gets to harp on that exact same issue to you. Um, And in, t in my position and what I've seen, that's kind of the major difference between the two. Now, I do think that project managers have the ability to be strategic. I just think that it flows more internally than it yeah. ends up being client facing. But I've also seen companies that hire project managers that literally manage clients. So I feel like there are project managers that are probably getting some of the account management skills oh, yeah. and contact and communication Absolutely. processes. So to me, those are the two biggest differences. If anybody, if anybody wants to argue with me on it, call me. Let's <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I definitely yelled at a little more people when I was a project manager. Now I get yelled at. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you, as a project manager, you're like, no, this is the deadline. I don't care. Like, figure I'm it out. Sure. We got to, you, you knew this. this two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Like, you're internally yeah. pushing people to reach the deadlines versus, I, I it's hard because I feel like I'm the nice account manager that's like, oh, okay, you were out of uh, office yeah. for two weeks. Okay. I hear you. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> but yes. do you think the two weeks that I gave you can turn into three days if you literally put everything else on hold? Because I'm willing to tell the client that we can bend by three days. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not willing to give you another two weeks. Right. Like I'm always trying to meet people in the middle yeah. because I, I under like life happens. So many things happen, especially during this COVID time where I'm like. I literally on Friday in the middle of a one-on-one -on -one with my boss talking to him, talking to him, talking to him. My fiance looks at me and goes, gotta go pick up Jalen from school. I was like, 
Uh, hold on. And so I'm talking to him and I can tell he's looking at my eyes shift off screen. But I'm yeah. like, we're in this weird pandemic world where I don't want her on the bus with a whole bunch of kids that aren't wearing oh, masks. Yeah. And I Good don't know point. what's going on. And so it's more important for me to go pick her up. He's about to start a webinar for his job. So I'm like, one of us <laughs> has to go right now. Or we're about to sit in this carpool line for like seven hours trying to pick her up from school. Oh, um, But yeah, it's it's always a balancing act, in my opinion. But Text me, call me if you want to argue this point. <laughs> so thanks for clarifying the difference between those two roles. So from the roles you had as an account coordinator to a member of the merchandising team, as well as the many hats you currently wear from being the leadership council and all the positions you hold for add to on a district and a local level. Is there anything you've been able to take from all of the skills you've been, you've been able to pick up holding those positions and able to utilize as you currently work as an account manager? I will say, if you've never been in a volunteer organization, one of the hardest things, hardest, if you, and I want people to understand, you don't have to be the president to get this experience. And I feel like a lot of people don't write this on their resume as much as they should. (laughs) If you are a committee chair and you have people working underneath you, if you are the president of an organization, you have people working underneath you, it's one of the toughest jobs because people have no reason to stay other than their passion. Right. So they can literally leave at any point in time because you are not paying their bills. You are not helping them financially in any shape or form. You're not picking up their kids from school. Like you are not the main reason and force in their life, but they're doing it because they see that you're passionate and you're passionate. And I will say that in general has really given me a lesson of how to treat people internally when we do pay that person. Like just because they're paid doesn't mean I get to treat them like dirt. And I've heard of a lot of companies and agencies that think like, well, I pay you. So you're going to work whatever hours I tell you and do whatever. And I feel like the second that you work in a position where, like, <laughs> you're trying to hold on to volunteers, you're like, oh, 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 please don't leave. I need you to stay for the whole year. <laughs> it, it is so stressful. It oh, gets goodness, so crazy. Yes, but it really makes you value and appreciate people. And that, honestly, from my district position is what I constantly am telling all the other presidents of ad twos in the district, right, is, Erica, how do I keep them motivated? How do I meet them where they're at? If they are so busy, if they are super tired, if things are going on, like you need to be understanding of what's going on because, again, it's volunteer. Yeah. So if they tell you like, hey, I know I told you I could plan this event, but I could really just work the sign up table. I have this much planned. Do you think you can fill in? Meet them in the middle. Yeah, I think I can fill in. What I do need from you, though, if you have a little bit of time is to actually help me with securing the venue. Outside of that, I can make sure that everything else gets locked. Right. Like literally going one-on-one and I feel like that has translated so much into like work life between talking to my clients and being able to say like hey clients like I know you're a little demanding <laughs> I know you said by tonight we should have this it's uh 4 30 I don't know if we're gonna get it done by five but let me meet you in the middle is it okay if I send over the first two parts of this that I know are done already and by Monday I get you x y or z piece right like I feel like those two things have really translated from how to be nice and respectful of people's time and being understanding and then coming back to your client and sitting there and going, well, I think my client can be understanding too because I've built rapport. I've had a relationship. I've talked about X, Y, or Z things with them. Um, And now I can come with them at the same kind of attitude and angle to say, hey, I have it all. I'm so sorry. (laughs) My bad. But what we do have is this. What I can do is this. Like, let's figure out if there's this in-between middle versus an all or nothing standpoint. Even though I do understand that some clients are all or nothing for certain things. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've taken a lot of that and interpreted it in my own way into how I how I act as a account manager. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, you pick up a lot of skills from uh, the ad clubs, right? From 
add two to AAF. And um, I mean, honestly, a lot of what I do now, I picked up as being part of the club. Yep. Um, so, you know, you talked about a lot of uh, a lot of clients and these relationships that you build. And uh, what was the other client that you mentioned earlier? The clothes? Carters. 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 Mm -hmm. Apparently, they're adorable. Um, so, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> I don't shop for children. Um, so, can you tell me of a time when a client has moved you and, like, made you change the way you operate or the way that you maybe look at your job or your position? Yeah. I, <laughs> I wrote this in, and I feel like this is the saddest, but, like, oh, most yes. touching story <laughs> ever. So, let me give y'all a little bit, like, grab a tissue. Um, oh, I we're out. <laughs> no crying. There's no crying in baseball. At guys. my at my last company, so I worked at a, a ad tech agency called Simplify. Um, they're based in Fort Worth, and one of the cool things that I ended up doing there was I ended up getting this title of like the fixer. Um, oh. <laughs> which so, I feel like yeah. as an account manager, you're like, oh, that's great, and then at the same time, you're like, ah, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, it's being the fixer is when there is a really bad client and i'm saying bad not in the sense of like what they do is bad but more of like their attitude towards their current account manager is bad or their attitude towards the company is bad or we used to do oh, what are they called where you get the survey and you have to be like oh would you recommend us from a scale of one to ten yeah, yeah. nps score and somebody would give us like a one or a two i would get those clients <laughs> that was then pushed to erica to say hey we've seen you turn around some other people and they're really happy. Um, and, and I got pushed one of those clients and they literally for the first, this is actually the client that I mentioned was like, are you sure you can handle this account? And I was like, yeah, why are you saying that to me? Um, all male leadership, all male that I worked with. So that already was a little tough because I felt like there were a, a few stereotypes in there where I was sure. like, I am not like a soft, like I'm going to cry type of girl. I'm very blunt. Honestly, when you cry, I pat you on the shoulder and I don't really know how to respond. That, that's how Same. I respond to cry. I'm sorry. Slowly walk out of the room. Yes. yes. We won't even talk about how like my fiance yeah. has a 13 year old daughter. So I'm a stepmom oh. of a 13 year old girl. And so I'm like, you have oh, to. I'm like calling my mom like, was this me when I was 13? <laughs> what are you saying? Um, but having that whole conversation and, this client in particular was really difficult. And for the first three weeks, I mean, screaming. There were times that like, and our, our office was like made out of glass window. So all the conference rooms, like you could see what was happening. So if someone could hear someone yelling, you just like looked out the window and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> leading like, yeah. what's going oh, on? Yeah, what, like, <laughs> who is she talking to? What client is that? Um, And it was bad. I mean, three weeks, three and a half, maybe even four weeks of me getting on calls, me having to pull my manager in on every single call that was happening, them listening and being like, Erica's being calm. You're trying. And there was just a call that I was so fed up. I was so fed up. And not only was I fed up, my boss's boss was in the room when I was fed up. And I was like, if you would just let me talk. And he literally, everybody stops. My boss is like, Erica, calm down. It's like, no, it's been three consecutive weeks of them just being mad. And I haven't been able to say, let's scratch this. Let's start a new strategy. Like, let us both be a team. And that moment, everyone shut up. And I was like, this is what I think we should do. I think we should scratch everything that we've been doing. Literally turn your campaigns off. I will run a campaign 50% of the budget your way. I will run a campaign 50% of the budget my way. We will see who wins. And whoever wins, we will optimize that way. And we'll just move forward. And they were like, yeah, that's kind of smart. And I was like, three weeks of you yelling at me. I could have said this two and a half weeks ago. Um, and 
eventually me and that client got on the same page. Everything, I mean, everything was good. We had like a social for my company and we went to Top Golf and I suck at golf. <laughs> I'm so bad. <laughs> but I was standing up there. I was wearing like these wedges because like I was like, oh, let me look cute. Stupid idea. Um, I took like my shoes off and I had like Mitch Matt socks on and nice. I'm sitting there talking to them and we're chatting and I mean, laughter. They're teaching me how to swing. They're like, no, Erica, you got to optimize to the left of your wrist. I was like, oh, my gosh, shut up. Because they're trying to use like my terms. Um, but it it was fun and it was a good way for us to connect. And I say from then on, I got added to their what is it group me group and we were sending like giffies back and forth to one another We've like they would giffies. call me G- it's giffy whatever <laughs> it is not peanut butter okay <laughs> um but we we got on the same page and then eventually uh one of my clients who had been on keto so funny because ray was literally Ooh, just talking to yeah. us about keto had been on keto i mean had lost 150 pounds was wow. looking fantastic was doing like Lifting, was starting to get into CrossFit, had a heart attack. Oh, wow. Man. Died yeah. for three whole minutes. Dead. And came back to life. And, like, even the nurses. So I get on this, like, weekly call not knowing anything happened the day before. And they co-own the business. And so the co-owner calls me. And he's like, hey, Erica, I just want to let you know, like, he's not going to be on the call. I was like, oh, is everything okay? Like, how are y'all doing? Yeah. And he's, like, up in tears, just and their brothers-in-law so i was like okay this is really close well you know what ended up happening is that he had a heart attack and i was like what now they lived in waco i was in fort worth so waco to fort worth what 45 minutes maybe an hour and a half depending on if you drive in traffic time of day so i was like i'm driving to waco uh i got i gotta go so i told my boss what happened my boss was like oh no can we send them something i was like i know his wife is there I was like, what I'd really like to do is like hand deliver some flowers and some food if that's okay. And at first my boss was like, kind of like, eh. But again, I developed this relationship with them where I knew like it wouldn't have been awkward for me. I wasn't asking to go to the hospital and see him laying in the hospital. But like, let me just show up, see you at the hospital, shake your hand, sorry for your loss, give you the food, tell you it's okay. And I had just gone through like four months before that losing my grandfather. So I feel like in my mental state too, I was in the same place. Um... But that changed my whole perspective. We are not curing cancer as account managers. That changed my whole perspective on how you deal with people and understanding what's going on and just being more sympathetic and empathetic towards people's feelings, relationships. Why is this client so pissed off about something? Are they really invested? They could just be invested. And that's okay. And trying to get to the same place. But I'll tell you what, that... I've never thought I would live through a client dying on me. <laughs> and so that was, and right to this day, he's fully recovered, by the way. I was, gonna, oh, I was about to ask that because I know you said he drive for three yeah. minutes and I'm like, didn't pass away, no brain loss, no memory loss, wow. nothing. Perfectly fine. All the doctors and nurses were like, you are basically a miracle. Like, I don't know why, but you are literally the miracle exception. Um, We're still friends on Facebook. When I got engaged, he commented, he sent me a text message, like, Still great friends. I don't even work at the company anymore. Oh, wow. And to me, like, that was life-changing. That was the thing that I was like, I want to be friends with all my clients. I don't want to burn any bridges. I want to be the best person that can meet everybody in the middle, be understanding as I can possibly be. And I feel like that's that's really why I've, I've gotten to the place that I've gotten in because I care and I make it known that I care. Yeah, that's really nice. You definitely made an impact on them, it seems. I'm glad that he's okay. Mm-hmm. Same, because I was freaked out. <laughs> I mean, I bet, I like, yeah. What? <laughs> that's, that's rough. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for sharing that life-changing story about turning a client around and what you were able to learn from that experience, especially being labeled as a fixer, as you say. So before we move on to the next segment of the episode, can you tell me a bit about what was the proudest moment of your career? Oh, this is a tough one. This is always tough. I feel like everybody's like, what are you proud of accomplishing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just uh, happy that I'm where I'm at. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't know. I. It's a hard question to answer. If if I had to answer it professionally, I, I would honestly say the moment that I'm at right now has been the thing that I've wanted for a while. I've wanted to be a manager. I feel like most people, like, early in your career, you're like, I don't know if I want to be a manager. Like, I don't know if I want to yeah. deal with everyone's personal. I knew, like, six years ago that I wanted to be a manager. Oh, wow. Like, I was flat out, like, I don't, I never mind. Everyone knows this. I never mind rolling my sleeves up and getting dirty. You need me to help you with a job. You need me to send an email. You need me to go through an Excel sheet and color code 700 lines. I'm going to find a formula. I'm not about to do that by hand. I was like, why are you doing that by hand? I'm definitely, I'm here to help. Like, sign me up. Everyone knows that. Um, But being a manager has been, like, the thing that I wanted. I want to connect with somebody. I want to bring them up. I don't like when people come to me with the same experience that I had with past managers who either don't believe you can accomplish something. I've had managers tell me like, Erica, we don't think that you're fit for management because your personality is a little bit aggressive. Very, uh, by the way, the word aggressive is like a trigger point. Like, oh I'm yeah. Like, oh, I, th- I think oh, especially for people of color. <laughs> yes. Everything is aggressive. It's called or, being assertive. Or emotional. Those are the two Claiming things your that space. I hate. And I feel like emotional ties with women, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. If it's a male Absolutely. talking to a female, you're emotional. And then the aggressive comes from being a person of color. I already know that. Um, and it it was hurtful and I hated that. It it you you grow up hearing like, oh, you can do whatever you want, and then you get into positions where people are like, Oh, you're not like me. You're not super sweet, bake cookies for the whole team. I cry when you cry. So you can't be a manager. And I'm like, why? Why can I not be a manager in the way that I manage? Because there are people that are like me. I I there's there's things in management that I hate. Like for example, people do like the sandwich method when they give you feedback. Do y'all oh, know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like a uh, I, I, I'm guilty of that, but I'm so good at it though. Oh sure. I think that there are people who love. They have to thrive off the sandwich method. I am not your girl. Tell me what's up because the second that you start with, oh my god, Erica, you've been doing so great. I'm like, nah, yeah. sis, cut it. What what's going on? What's happening? Yeah. Like, what are you trying to tell me that you're not telling? I want you to spit it, and I want you to tell me straight and dry, and I want you to know. That my tone is going to change when you say that because what you're telling me is something that's going to affect my career. So I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, really? I was that bad. at I'm going to be like, okay, tell me more. Well, why do you think that? Well, I felt like I was doing this, this, this. My tone is going to change because I care about what you're saying and I'm trying to mentally process what you're saying. I don't I don't like the sugarcoat method because before I can process it, you're trying to tell me what I'm doing good. And I'm still trying to process the bad thing that you just told me. So I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I know my hair looks cute today. Thank you. That's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what you just said. I want to talk about, I, I know that report was 100% on par. I know. I'm not worried about that. I want to talk about the fact that you just told me, you know, X, Y, or Z thing just happened. Um, and I feel like as a manager, I now have that that power to tell people who maybe feel like I'm too quiet to be a manager. You're not. You're not. But you do need to work on being assertive in situations if you want to be a manager, because you're going to have to tell someone some bad news and what you can't do is say, Hey, so you turned in this report yesterday and it wasn't bad. You, Hey, you turned in a report. You don't have to be mean. 
you have to yell at them, right? Mm-hmm. But being able to be in that position of coaching, I think is probably right now the proudest moment. And I have the best employee, so that helps so much That's too, um, where she's willing to learn. She's willing to listen to the feedback that I give her and she's willing to question me. And that's the other part that I feel like people are afraid of with bosses, yes. especially being able to question. But I also think that she saw that in mine and my boss's relationship because yeah. me and my boss also have the same thing. And he's a male and he's white, but <laughs> biggest ally for me um, right. when Black Lives Matter stuff happened over the summer, called me and was like, are you OK? How, how are you doing mental? Like cared about the things that yeah, were you happening. You don't see that often. You don't. And I feel like me and he's coming to my wedding because I was like, well, nice. I obviously need you to be there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like invested I, in his kids. Like yeah. I'm the person that's like, hi, um, Aunt Erica's here. Can I get some pictures, please? Thanks. <laughs> um, of just like, tell me what's going on. And I feel like him and I have such this big open dialogue of communication that it helps me grow. It helps him grow. He cares about my opinion now because I'm a manager and I'm like slowly moving into this position that he's in. He's kind of like, I need your opinion because I don't know if mine's sound. And I appreciate the fact that I have a manager that's like, I need your opinion because yeah. that doesn't happen either. Um, but I feel like, again, this this area that I'm in right now, this space is like my proudest moment because this is where I wanted to be for so long. And I do think that over six years, there were things that I had to learn because I, I feel like uh, six years ago, Erica was a little bit. A little bit aggressive. I'm going to agree with everybody else. (laughs) I was a little more aggressive than I am now. I think I'm still aggressive, but I think I've learned, again, through some of these other experiences, volunteer positions, et cetera, that, like, people will quit, especially Gen Z. Oh, yeah. They don't care about your life. Okay? They will be like, uh, you said 47 people quit yesterday. Yeah, I'm 48. I'm out. (laughs) With no (laughs) questions asked. And so I feel like I needed those six years to grow into that mentality um and i i can now look back at it and appreciate the time that i had to put in for other things and not getting rewarded so quickly because i don't think that i would have been the same leader or manager that i am now oh that's uh, sure. that's great that's fantastic um i always say that you know feedback is a, is a gift and that goes both ways right when someone yeah. gives it to you uh regardless regardless of your position uh you are always there's always feedback to be given yeah um so let's go ahead. We're going to move on to the next. So this is actually a question that is uh, very close to me. Um, so do you have any advice for individuals who didn't start their career in a traditional route or that are maybe questioning their current position or job, you know, whether it's the right fit? How do you know that you're in the right place? So I, I'm going to make it relevant to add to you first. And then I'm going to pull it out of anything related to ad. And let's just say that you weren't an ad and you wanted to come back. So starting with that too, number one selling point that I tell every student is that you get to try what you don't know. We have a public service camp competition. Most oh, yeah. public service teams, every ad to is supposed to do a public service campaign, has to participate. I learned so much just being close to my public service camp competition, because when I first started in Ad2, I was the program's chair. And so we had to plan an event for our public service comp. And then I just got entangled in that and what the positions were and what we were doing. And then Tina was president. And so I was secretary treasurer. I had a lot more time than Tina and the vice president had. So I was like, where can I fit in? And Tina was like, help with public service. I was like, done. <laughs> like, I'm in. Yeah. And so I'd go to their meetings and talk to them and listen to what they were doing and ask them if they need anything. And then when I became president... I was the account director for a little bit of time because we couldn't find one. But every single time I got a student that's like, Erica, I don't I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I can help you with. What are you interested in? 
You want to, have you ever done like Photoshop? Well, yeah, I work in Photoshop a little bit. Do you want to learn from somebody who works in Photoshop? Like, do you want to be the volunteer chair to create our graphics and we can critique you and we can help you and it's not that you're getting paid and you're not going to get criticized. You're not going to feel like you're going to lose your job tomorrow because you want to be creative and you don't know if you can be. Go to a club, go to an organization that needs that help, that needs that plug and learn from people and look at the examples and learn how to replicate those examples. Obviously, copyright, be careful about that. But like, <laughs> you know, if you see an ad and you see something that you're like, oh, this is really cool and you want to try to replicate it, why not be in an organization that gives you the freedom to do that without you getting fired tomorrow? Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's the that's the number one thing that I tell students all the time. I'm like, I know for sure. OK, I worked, I interned at Sabre. And I was the corporate communications intern. And there there are things that I loved. I had seven bosses and I love that. I love being able to tell seven everybody. Seven bosses. I love being able to tell everybody else that my bosses were the VPs of the company. Yeah. Awesome. Because I was internal comms. So I'm writing all the stuff that they're telling me, but from a corporate voice. I hated corporate writing. Corporate writing is so boring. <laughs> I'm not Absolutely. I'm not the person for that. There were people for that. My boss, my 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 coworker. They were corporate writing people. Yeah. I was like, this has no flair, no style, no flavor. And then I would try to add flavor and they'd be like, this isn't really in line with the corp- corporate yeah. style. And I'm like, yes, I know. But that's what you told me to do. You told me to not make it in the box. So I had to learn from that. But I was also an ad too at that time. So it was really cool because I then got to experience some other positions, right? I met Tina, who was in like media planning at the time. I met my other friend, Mackenzie, who was a creative director and a creative artist. And so I got to hear about like what she did. Now, I did take like calm graphics in college and- Calm graphics? Yeah, where like, it's it's almost like you're in graphic designs class. Like I learned how to yeah. use like Adobe and I learned how to use a lot of things. In my internship, I actually edited everything in Premiere Pro by myself, wow. mind you. I have an episode of like an office skit um, on my YouTube channel because <laughs> I got to make it, but I purposely didn't want to be in it. So I just directed it and like pieced all the pieces together and I did everyone's video, but it was because I took that class and somewhat learned how to use Premiere Pro. And then I was like, well, I can sit here and stitch this together. Yeah. And I did, but I got to try it at an internship where I wasn't going to lose my job and it was fun. And I also learned something from school and made it piece together. Um, from an outside perspective, if you're not in the ad industry, my biggest piece is to be okay with not being at a job. It's yeah. okay not to be your parents or your grandparents who sat at the same job for 15 years. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, and yeah. I feel like a lot of people are scared of that. I literally stayed at a job for 91 days because I felt discriminated against and then I quit. I left. I couldn't do it. I, I was crying in the parking lot every day calling my mom. It was that bad. But I feel like there's a stigma against like quitting a job where it's like, oh, if yeah. you quit, then yeah. you gave up. And it's like, no, I quit because it wasn't a good fit. <laughs> and that's okay. If it's not a good fit, that is okay. No one should be hurt, right? Like you interviewed, you thought it was going to be a good fit. You got into the actual work and guess what? You are not the A type that can make words and synonyms and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like it's okay to learn that through trying to do it. And if we don't accept the fact that we're not able to learn and do it, then how are you ever going to know what you're passionate about? Um, so for that, like if you're interested in getting in the industry, just find an in. If you're like, I think I'm interested in creative, look at what the requirements are. Look at what creative somebody is putting out to be able to say like, oh yeah, I can replicate that or I can do that. And then why not go for it? Why not try it and see what happens? Um, best case scenario, you're going to be partnered with or put under somebody or work next to somebody who does amazing work and you can pick up on that skill. You can learn from that person. 
And instead of your value being like, oh, I stayed at a company for three years and it helped me get my next position. I stayed at a company for 91 days and I learned from four of my coworkers that I thought I was a detailed person and holy crap, I was not as detailed as I thought. (laughs) (laughs) It hits you. Yes, because the job that I had was like uh, putting campaigns into Google ads. But the way that the naming conventions had to be were very Mm -hmm. particular because we worked for TI. So we like that was our client. And their parts, which, by the way, I know way more about engineering pieces and parts <laughs> for mechanical and electrical engineers than anyone should know. But everything was so technical. I thought I was detailed. But there were things like I was missing capital letters that yeah. were clear as day. But I I was just missing it. It was just something that I didn't notice. And and I feel like that was a skill that I learned. I learned how to, like, double check my work in an effective manner, yeah. not in the same college manner that I used to do, but in a professional setting. And I was okay with that being the takeaway from that job for 91 days. All right. So you dropped some golden nuggets of try, like try what you do not know or why not try it. But many people are terrified of failing at a, at a job or getting fired or, or failing at completing a task. Can you talk about embracing failure and how we can use it as a catalyst for growth? Yeah. I, I've had a few failures throughout my career and i will say that like i completely understand that knocking you right back like on 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 your butt um and i think that the the first thing of that failure is a whoever told you that critique or gave you that criticism or gave you that feedback right understanding something that i had a boss tell me and she is the most amazing coo and it was actually my first female coo so i was even more ecstatic Um, But her biggest thing and her word choice was never assume negative intent. Hmm. And I tell this to my daughter now. I'm like, she'll get mad at something. And I'm like, well, why are you mad? Well, she was being mean. Well, why are you assuming that she was being mean? Yeah. Like what what part of what she said made you assume that she was really trying to be mean to you? She's probably not being mean. You probably took it that way or it came off that way because tone can also have a, an oh, effect. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the same way needs to happen with people when you fail is not assuming that your boss or whoever critiqued you or your client is giving you like a negative and like I'm trying to get you fired because that's really probably in most scenarios not the case. They're trying to tell you so that you don't make the mistake again. Then taking a second to say, OK, what exactly are they telling me? Be emotional for a little bit. I'm not telling you not to be emotional. I want you to be upset about it. I want you to be mad or angry or pissed off. But then I want you to sit back and be like, okay, what were they really trying to tell me? And once you understand what they were really trying to tell, or if you don't know what they're really trying to tell you, guess what? Go back to them and say, hey, I listened to what you said. I wrote down what I heard you say, but I feel like I have some gaps in my understanding of how I'm supposed to fix this or what exactly you were trying to teach me. And I bet nine times out of 10, they're going to be surprised that you even came back to them with something because most people don't. You hear negative news and then you don't hear from that person again because they're like, I don't want to talk about this ever. I want to brush it under the rug like it never happened. But if you take a second to say like, okay, this is what it is. Um, I know with my boss, he's given me feedback throughout my career and he likes to joke all the time where he's like, Erica, you're such a great employee. Like I hardly give you feedback. And I'm like, Yes, I know. So when he does, I'm I'm really trying to understand exactly what he's saying so that I can internalize it for a little bit. And then he notices like and it's pretty immediate for me because I'm like, OK, Erica, what did he say that you did? OK, what can you do to correct that? OK, how can you do that now? Like today, like five minutes from now? How can you implement that change? And and he sees it immediately or I sit there and I tell him like, hey, 
remember last week when you told me like the other day, he was like, hey, I, I just feel like you put a little bit too much emotion into how you responded back to the client. And we were on a call mm-hmm. and I was like, huh? <laughs> and he's like talking, talking, talking. And I was like, I just don't, I don't agree with you. And I flat out was like, I don't, I don't agree with that. And this is why I don't agree with it. Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, see, even now I can tell you're emotional about what you're saying. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like I have to defend myself because you're telling me and threatening my character, but that's not at all what he was doing. He was saying, if someone gives you attitude, client gets pissed off after they asked you for something and you were delivering exactly what they asked and they get mad, you can't then get a little bit or a step more aggressive with them. You still have to kind of like, okay, I understand and breathe and calm and stay at that bit. Yeah. I wasn't hearing that in the moment. So I had to just tell him like, okay, I hear you and stop talking. And he knows that when I tell him like, okay, is I need to internalize this because I'm not going to give you anything positive right now. We've had that conversation and go. And I feel like that's, that's the part of embracing failure. Sometimes you just got to sit with it. Yeah. Maybe like a day, maybe two, and then figure out your plan. Don't just sit with it and then pretend that it didn't happen, but look at it and say, how is what I was just told going to make me better? And what can I do to make myself better in whatever you're doing? If you're creative and someone was like, oh, my God, your art is trash. Okay, what about it is trash? Like, help me understand yeah. why yeah. you're saying that, right? Ask the questions. Don't just let them tell you that it's trash and walk oh, away. Yeah. Like, make them tell you why. And then sit back and say, huh, okay, what can I do to fix these things? Like, that's one person's opinion. I feel like that's something that a lot of people will say. That's yeah. one person's opinion. You don't have to listen to it. yes. But there's probably some validity in what they just said. And so what can you take from that and what can you pull together in peace? But again, I, I definitely think that everybody has every right to feel emotional about negative feedback. Just not for long. Like, don't sit on it for two weeks and then be like, I hate my boss. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, they're kind of like yeah. doing their job. Like, you can't really be that bad. <laughs> but at least, like, take it and sit and say, cool, I get it. I understand. I can move forward. Yeah. No, that's, that's uh, very important. Um, I've done freelancing uh, in my career, you know, especially when writing. And many times I have people tell me that this is not quite what they expected or whatever. Uh, so I can't take that seriously. Uh, I can't take that personally. I mean, yeah. it's never personal when it's business. Uh, yeah. they, they're trying to get something and maybe it's the way it looks, they say, but uh, definitely analyze it, hmm. absorb it before you make any hard, any rush decisions. Yeah. Before you quit your job, uh, maybe try to understand why your boss told you something. Yeah, and half the time when they're giving you feedback, like, yes, it's a failure in the grand scheme of your path, right? Like, yeah. oh, I was told something negative. Everybody's told something negative. I yes. literally got a piece of advice uh, this past weekend from one of our clients, the leadership coach. Love him. He, like, gave everybody a speech after this photo shoot that we did of, like, why he enjoyed working with you. And mine was, like, you challenge me. And I don't feel like enough people appreciate when people, cha- like enough oh, clients appreciate the challenge because sometimes the challenge isn't to just be like, I'm right, you're wrong. It's literally to say, we probably need to think about it here. Mm-hmm. And that actually came after that conversation um, with my boss who was like, I just think that you were a little bit emotional in your approach. And he was like, you challenged me. You didn't just let me get mad at you, but you then responded and said, I don't understand why you're mad. Why are you mad? And not enough people are doing that. But then he sat there and he gave uh, one of my employees some advice of like, have you been fired before? And she was like, kind of like looking at me. I was like, girl, I don't care. Like if you got fired, like you didn't get fired by me. So (laughs) I already hired you. You work here. Like I clearly think, and I saw something in you. I'm not going to be mad. And she was like, yeah, I've been fired. He's like, then you already did the hard part. 
You've already lost your job. You've already been in the situation where you've gotten fired. So now the negative feedback, the the fear of getting fired should be gone. You've already done that. Yeah. Now it's just about, okay, how do I take this in? How do I internalize that? I feel like a lot of people need to understand that a failure sometimes is the right path forward to calm you down. To yeah, yeah. We're going to switch gears here for a moment. For a moment. Um, we mentioned the Mosaic Awards with the American Advertising Federation. Yep. Um, and the fact that you are part of the Mosaic Next Gen Leadership Council. Yep. So can you talk a little bit about uh, what it is that the Mosaic Awards and the council do? And, you know, how can we get involved? How can people who are listening to this get involved and maybe, you know, put in their two cents? Yeah. So Mosaic as a whole is really aimed for AAF as a, as a whole organization across the board to increase the diversity numbers that they have. That's not just... Right. Normal diversity numbers that everybody thinks of, right? <laughs> Male, female, yes, that's one part of it. Uh, black or white, yes, that's another part of it. But diverse opinions, diverse experiences, diverse backgrounds, people from different religions, people that grew up poor but grew up rich, like really trying to pull together everybody so that we get a holistic and well-rounded view of everyone's experience. Um, and what I do with Mosaic Next Gen is try to find a way, specifically for me, to pull that into the student atmosphere. Um, I feel like from from my perspective that I've seen at my college, um, I went to high school in Klein, right down the street. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. So I graduated from Klein High in 2011. And I will say there were classes where I was the only black person in my class. Oh, yeah. And that is not weird to me. I am not like, oh, my God, I'm the only black person in my class. I grew up in that kind of environment. But when I went to college at the fifth most diverse university in the United States, I expected to never go to a single class where I was the only black person in class. I was wrong because the career path that I chose was not business focused, which I feel like specifically in the black community, people push you towards, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like a, a liberal arts degree is not very much pushed by a lot of moms, dads, Gen Z, boomer, all, all the above generations, right? Don't really push that because they don't see that as like a moneymaker. Which I feel like is like Should. the normal conversation. Yeah. Um. However, I went to school and I had classes where I was the only black person. I was like, dude, this is happening here now at this time. And we're trying to figure out what exactly is causing that gap. Yeah. Is it a generational uh, a push where your parents telling you to do something and you trust your parent, right? And so you're taking yeah. that career path. Or is it more from the standpoint and the fact of like you literally don't know your options? And so for us, that's kind of what we're trying to figure out. There's multiple programs within the Mosaic Awards that you can win as a student. Um, if you didn't know, as a student, you can enter the American Advertising Awards and win an Addy um, for, for your creative work. You can do that as a student. As a business, did you know that you can nominate an intern to win an Addy <laughs> at the American Advertising Awards? So it, it's it's yeah. our duty and responsibility to find out, like, how can we get those students recognized now so that when they graduate, they can come into the workforce as like a, hey, this person does amazing work. And then also, how do we get them into the workforce, but not just put them into multicultural agencies yeah. um, or multicultural companies where that's the basis of their business? How do we transform all companies to be able to kind of branch out into this network? Yeah. All companies um, should be multicultural. Yeah. Absolutely. If you you're not, so. if you're not recruiting from multiple areas, I feel like the number one thing that everybody recruits from is like word of mouth, right? Like, oh, I sure. went to college with yeah. my friend, blank, and yeah, that's part of it. Too. She's great. Let me pull her in. Cool, but mm -hmm. 
But if you do that and you have a predominantly white background or a predominantly black background, that's who they're going to pull in yeah. because it's also about who you hang out or with and who you're around and how you've kind of grown into that position too. Um, so I feel like sometimes breaking out of your normal and saying, hey, what students are out there that are up and coming? Um, but if you wanted to participate, um, you can – there's a few things that you can do as a company – to participate in mosaics um you can actually sponsor people to participate in some of the awards that we're giving out um so if someone like a student wins you can actually uh donate money to help pay for like any cost that comes with that so them oh, entering cool. into yeah. um the american advertising awards or if they needed to travel for a presentation right like wow. you're helping them there you can also donate to the mosaics to help with like student chapters or to start a student chapter oh. Um, because a lot of, of colleges don't actually have AAFs. Um, and so oh, yeah. if you wanted to, you can donate and help us fund the next chapters that are going to start. Now, the purpose of that, too, is to start AAFs in schools that are underrepresented. So right now we don't have a lot of HBCUs that participate in AAF. And so trying to branch into those colleges or even if they're not classified technically as an HBCU, mm -hmm. but colleges that have a more diverse background can obviously participate um some districts like district 10 also participate in something called NSAC and right. donating to that funding that helps students go to NSAC which is the national student advertising competition um where as a student you and I think six other teammates can come up with a campaign for the national brand is it six uh, so the NSAC program, you could actually have a team, so a class. It's not limited. Oh, you can have number. multiple people now? Yes. Oh, is it just presenters that I'm I think it's presenters. It's dependent on, oh, I limit. believe, four, three speakers and one AV. Perfect. I know maybe I'm just speaking off my experience for UT Arlington because we only pulled six out of oh, maybe that's all UTA people, yeah. AF chapter to okay. participate in the first few years that we did it and not the whole class because we did in our class, structure your campaigns class the same way that NSAC is. Mm -hmm. You had a client, yeah. everybody formed, formed like five mini teams, and then you presented to that client, whoever won. I mean, you didn't make like 100, but you got a higher grade than everybody yeah. else. <laughs> that's kind of how yeah. that went. Um, but that I think that's how we approached it, so thank you for that. But I, I think even from that perspective, if you wanted to donate to that educational fund, so that way we can make sure that those students are going um, especially the schools that are in our district. Texas is huge, and we could have way more. We have a lot of AF at colleges. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say that we could have more for yeah. sure with how big we are, and we can send more, and we could probably be just like representing the state of Texas way larger, or Oklahoma, or the 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 left side the of left Louisiana. Side of Louisiana, yeah. We chopped the state in half. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, every, every college can have a football team. They can have an AAF. We'll just make I mean, it like yeah. a sporting thing. We'll bring that. We'll make it a stadium for the inside. If that's the have case, then like... my school can't participate because we haven't had a football team since '86. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> we're talking about diversity in our sense of the meaning. There are many people who are passionate about making a difference in EDI in the workplace and other organizations that they might be a part of, but they might not know how to make a difference or impact change. Can you show some advice on how someone who wants to make a difference can break into this space? Uh, yeah. If, you, if you're not afraid and you want to be a little bit more outspoken and let's just say your company is not as diverse, I would say bring that up to your leadership team. Um, it would be weird if you brought this up to a leader 
And they said, hey, yeah, that's a great idea, but we're not looking forward to being more diverse. Yeah. Um, I feel like in this day and age, it'll be weird. And maybe that's your red flag. That would be my red flag, personally, if I brought this up to someone in leadership and they knocked me down on that. Um, mm-hmm. If you are already in the profession, my honest opinion is if you went to college, go back to your colleges and speak to those classes and speak to those people and go to the career fair days and all of that other stuff to actually just talk to students. Professors are always looking for people that are in the industry and specifically relevant to the audience of students who are about to graduate. I feel like a lot of students get intimidated by like 40 years in the profession, professionals showing up. And then you're like, what am I supposed to ask? I have no idea what to ask you. You are so experienced. Like, how am I supposed to relate to somebody who's been doing this for 40 years and I want to start tomorrow? And I feel like it is a little bit hard to relate to those people. So if you are younger and just starting out, Honestly, sometimes the best way to get people into the atmosphere and to help with that diversity is to go back and speak to them because you're in the same boat as them. You're in the same age group or you just graduated or in my case, I'm old and you graduated like five or six years ago. You're not old. Calm down. You feel old. Now I go back and I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, But I think that's a great way for you to participate and talk and speak. But then also, if you care about your neighborhoods... Right. That, that you're in. I, I don't know how many people are like me where you grew up somewhere or you were a military kid in my case. You grew up somewhere you left and then you had to like reestablish that yeah. community again. Um, But like I'm back in the Klein ISD area and part of me wants to go back to my high school and be like, yo, can I talk about like professions that people can choose to yeah. like the seniors? Because I don't know how many teachers ever pushed me into like hey, did you know you could go into advertising? Like, that, there wasn't classes like that. But I know my daughter at 13 is building a drone. What? They have classes for that now, that's right? Nice. And that's so nice. to me, that's cool. They also have a teen leadership class, which would have been amazing if I was her age to take. I have a leadership minor now because I did it in college, but I had no idea that that was even a thing that she could be taking. And they're asking her, like, really important questions. My thing would be, is there a way that some of us can go back to those schools and uh, high school specifically, because I feel like that's really where you have to figure out what you want to do. But, you know, I know some schools are still bringing like parents in for like career day for like elementary. Oh, my dad's a firefighter. My mom's a doctor. Like the things that you see in the movies, like we should be represented there too. And if if it's, my mom does the same job as someone else's mom. Well, my sister doesn't. And my sister is an advertising professional. Can I take my sister to that school day instead of my mom so that we get more diverse opinions? And I feel like schools can't, won't, for the most part, be like, no, we don't need more diverse people here (laughs) to tell me about what's out there for these kids to maybe aspire to. Like, hey, I make the cool commercials that you see. I feel like there are some kids that are going to be like, make commercials. People make commercials? What? And be fascinated and want to learn more and as they get into high school where they can pick these classes to do those things, I feel like they'll be more interested in doing it. All right. No, I think you're right. Uh, that definitely is uh, something that we should look into, honestly. I never even thought of it. So that's awesome. So anyways, we have reached the end of this episode, I think. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Um, is there anything that you want to plug? Anything uh, that you're working on? Or maybe uh, how people can find you? Yeah, if you... If you want to follow me on social media, you're more than welcome to. Uh, all of my handles are the same. So it's either at Ari, E-R-I underscore Sherelle, which is my middle name, which C-H-E-R-E-L-L-E. Or you can just find me by my full name, Erica Sherelle Long, on like LinkedIn, Facebook. I go by my full name. 
awesome. um, because there's apparently a lot of air colongs in the world. I feel it. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> a significant just amount. Hey, this, this, uh, this is our <laughs> meeting of trivia for this episode. Um, thank you so much, Erica. Definitely check her out. Follow her on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. Of course. Thanks, y'all. Before we go, don't forget to join us for Corporate Cupid on February 10th, 6.30 p.m. at Cactus Cove. Join us to Houston for a night of speed networking. Get to know the agencies from around the city in a lightning round of interviews. Connect with professionals and the agencies leading the industry in Houston. Once again, that's February 10th, 6.30 p.m. at Cactus Cove. For more details, check out our Facebook. Also, don't forget, live from Houston, the 60th American Advertising Award, February 17th, 6 p.m. at the Ballroom at Value Place. Don't miss the opportunity to be in front of Houston's advertising and marketing bigwigs, all in one place for one evening only. There will be a gallery displaying the incredible work of 2021, a live band, and lots of in-person schmoozing. For more information, go to aaf-houston.net. Can't wait to see you there. Thank you for joining us today. The Add to Houston Amigos podcast is produced at Radio Lounge. Add to Houston is a collaborative collective of young communication professionals age 32 and under who are looking to make a difference in the industry. If you would like to become an amigo, join us at addthenumber2houston.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at addthenumber2houston. Thank you for listening.